Hello, and welcome to uh, this latest episode of the Miramichi Historical Linkages Podcast. I'm Sean McCarthy, and joined today here once again by Tasha Smith. Our colleagues, uh, Sarah and Allie, are away this week. But uh, we hope that you're enjoying this series. And of course, for those of you, if you're just joining us, um, this, of course, is a series talking about Miramichi's history and the connections that we have across cultures and across geography. Um, and I would encourage you, if this is your first episode, have a look at some of the episodes that we've done lately. We've had some really great episodes, some really great guests, uh, Judy Bowman, Joel Ward, Cindy Rule. And today uh, we have two more really interesting and exciting guests. I have a segue right there. Um, the, uh, we're joined today by the Miramichi Historical Society's uh, Barbara McIntosh and Charlotte Logie. Welcome and thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. So, uh, what we were, yeah. So, what, why we're here, of course, is uh, to speak a little bit about your work on the architect William Murray uh, and the work that you've done, uh, looking at his influence here in the area, and also some of the recognition that you've gotten uh, internationally. So, uh, <laughs> as you say, hey, we'd like to begin uh, with. Uh, maybe for those of you, uh, for those of us rather, who are maybe not as familiar with Murray's work, like, or like me, who are kind of familiar with the name, but maybe not not uh, the extent and of his architectural achievements here in the Miramichi, maybe you can give us a little bit of an introduction on Murray and how you get interested uh, in doing research on him. Okay. Uh, I think uh, my first interest in the society's interest came about when Dr. Patterson came from Fredericton and talked about the aftermath of uh, the fire of 1812 and how New Brunswick covered architecturally. And uh, it, most important in the Miramichi was William Murray, who happened to be a working uh, carpenter and architect at the time. He had come from Scotland in 1819 as a 30-year-old uh obviously very uh, well versed in his craft because he went to work right away and uh, and was around of course when the fire happened and burned the buildings and he was in position to to take up the work to reconstruct the Miramichi in part one of the buildings that he worked on was the united church it was the saint james presbyterian at the time it had burned been finished in 1825 burned to the ground first building to be burned in Newcastle, and reconstructed in 1829 by Murray. Uh, since that time, which is coming up to almost 200 years ago for the building itself, uh, it has been recognized by international architects. There's been articles written about it. We've had people come to take pictures of it as a, a an example of a white pine building across Canada. So it has some renown. And uh, Dr. Patterson talked about how um, Murray was instrumental in building that building, plus a number of others around. And incidentally, Patterson is a, a descendant of William Murray. So we got interested that way and thought that maybe it was time to pull together all the information that we had on Murray, uh, which wasn't a whole lot, but we knew about his buildings. And we threw the idea out to the Historical Society. Charlotte took up the challenge with me. And we've been working on it ever since. We did research. We have visited the buildings. We have talked to people. And we, our first idea was a calendar as a, as a fundraiser, perhaps, for the society. 
And, uh, but as soon as we got into the research, we realized we had far more than, than a calendar on our hands. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, so we moved on to a small brochure. Uh, again, looked at what we had, thought, nah, we got more than that. So we ended up with a booklet, uh, that, uh, I think it's 10, 10 pages long or something. Anyway, this is, this is what it looks like now, and it's available locally at the, uh, 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 from the society and for, at the tourist things, but that, that's for later. Uh, we, um, in the course of doing the research for the booklet, we contacted, we contacted Scotland where, where Murray had been born, the historical society there, who promptly got back to us with all kinds of information, which we were thrilled to receive. And then a week or so later, we got another request for them, and I'm going to let Charlotte talk about that request. <laughs> yeah, it was quite interesting to hear back from Peeblesher, which is where Murray was born. His father was a shepherd, which we found out and was very interesting, and William was one of several children who grew up in the area and was a craftsman from quite a young age on. And uh, this organization called the Family History Society uh, that lives in the borders area of Scotland. They're, they're down near Edinburgh and, and Glasgow. And they asked us to write an article for their magazine. And their magazine looks like this. And it's uh, quite a comprehensive publication, comes out about three or four times a year. So we knew then we had to uh, sort of walk the, walk the talk because uh, we had to start putting all our ideas in motion. And we wrote an article for them. And that really spurred us on to finding uh, out more and more about William Murray. And as Barb said, uh, going to Fredericton to the archives, first of all, is, is very important because they are the best uh, archives provincially in, in Canada. And that's been a, a fact that's been pretty well known recently. Um, they carry an awful lot of information. And so they, they compiled boxes for us to look at. And we got a lot of information, including Louise Manny's own notes on things that were really wonderful, and they photocopied them for us, and, and so that was great to have. And going to visit Dr. Patterson again, who's a direct descendant of William Murray, but happens to be very, very interested in the whole concept of how Murray came here and, and what he accomplished in Miramichi. So that spurred us on to, to start writing more and finding out more and, and looking into our local um, history here and people that we could talk to. And, and there are people here in Miramichi descended from Murray because he had 10 children. So we assume quite a few of them appropriated <laughs> and, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and had their own families. And so we're finding out nice uh, bits of information that we can round out the picture of who this man was um, he lived in Miramichi from 1819 until his death in 1873, and he was quite prominent. Um, people knew who he was, and, and um, if you went to work for William Murray, you had to be in the temperance society. You had to be very, very circumspect and uh, well-mannered, and there was no drunkenness allowed on his work sites, which was fairly common in the day. Um, jugs of ale were, were often available, I think, for the workmen, but uh, not in William Murray's case. He was very strict that way, and maybe Barb can speak a bit about the temperance society. Yes. Uh, among the research that we have done, and it's amazing what's out there when you start looking for it. Uh, they, 
the Louise Manny again compiled from the minutes of the Temperance Society uh, what was going on, and William Murray's name figured quite prominently. Uh, he liked to recite poetry, apparently, and uh, he entertained his, his temperance brothers with poetry, some of it a little scathing. He wasn't above uh, letting, letting the community know what he thought about something. Uh, but he was a generous he, with his time. He, there's remarks where he uh, had done some carpentry work, where he paid for uh, candles at one point, and then and uh, uh, he was a member for a long time. As was his son James was in it. Uh, William was in it. His grandson David was in it. And toward the end of the 18 maybe around 1860, they were admitting women. Uh, ahead of their time. Uh, and Emily, his uh, granddaughter, uh, was in, in on the list of a possible memory. But you had to toe the line if it came to the point where you were suspected of having a drink somewhere along the line, somebody would report you and you'd get your hand slapped or whatever. So, But uh, Murray was apparently one of the few uh, over the years that never took a drink. The rest succumbed, succumbed at some point in time, of course, as we all do. And uh, it, uh, the, the society was a fairly, fairly vocal one and a large one and ended up with branches in Douglastown and another one upriver. Now, of course, they're not around anymore. Times have changed, but they, uh, they were a force to be reckoned with in the community. One thing I'd like to um, draw attention to as well, um, people might not realize some of the buildings they drive past or yes. walk past every day uh, that Murray built. And, and the first one is his own home, which has been restored beautifully down on Ritchie Wharf. And that little house that's now a visitor information center was the home he built for himself and his family in 1826, right after the fire. And Barbara was just mentioning this morning that we originally thought his first home, which was in Bushville, had burned during the fire, but it didn't. It was burned prior to the fire. So he lost his home and he must have been thinking, I should rebuild at some point. But he got so busy with the post-fire construction, it was put off a little bit. But he did build this charming home that sits there now at Ritchie Wharf Municipal Park. And we are so relieved to see the restoration did not include tearing out the interior design because that's all Murray's work inside. Um, archways and decorations and uh, cabinetry and, and various things that are features of that little home are all intact. So that is a very good thing. Yeah. And we're very, very happy about that. So that's the primary place to start. If a person was going to do a Murray tour, uh, start with his, his own home, um, which is at Ritchie Wharf, and then you can carry on. And, and that's what this booklet was produced for. Um, it was to guide people through the various homes and buildings that he's responsible for. And as Barb mentioned, the church, and then what was first um, um, the old county courthouse, now a daycare center on Campbell Street, um, built in a very plain sort of Georgian style. But um, Murray really outdid himself with the doorway. So, you know, if you want to go and look at some beautiful architectural details, the doorway will show you. We have some pictures of the interior at Murray House, which I spoke about earlier, the archways and, and things like that, that are very prominent. And 
Uh, this was built and survived the Miramichi fire. This is a very important building. So I'm going to let Barb talk about um, how this building came to be. Uh, this is St. Paul's Anglican in, in Bushville, which is uh, standing there on the hill and with the graveyard surrounding it and celebrated its 200th anniversary this, this particular year. And it was one of the first ones that, that uh, Murray built. And uh, uh, it has the features that you see on a lot of with the pointed, pointed Gothic windows. And the, if you go in and look at the... Uh, a little description on that we'll give it to you, but it's a classic Murray place. Attention to detail. He was really good at paying attention to the small little details. And the small little details, it's amazing how they become part of the whole. And then even one disappeared, uh, it changes the aspect. And uh, But the fire part, it was interesting. The, uh, sadly, when the Miramichi fire swept across the river, and into Bushville and burned a number of houses then. Uh, there was a man named Mr. Jackson, member of the congregation, who, uh, along with others, kept the roof wet and it didn't burn. The sacks, uh, probably burlap sacks or whatever would be around at the time. After the fire had swept through and it was done, he went to, back to his own home, found it destroyed, and uh, all his family were gone. Some died then, and a few others a few days later. His graveyard, along with the story about him, is in the grave in the graveyard at St. Paul's, and it's interesting. It's worth a little trip up there when the snow's gone. Yes, <laughs> to have have a look, and uh, it's a it's a, a poignant story, but it also gives an idea of how important churches were to people in those days. They were they were something that were guarded and, and regarded and guarded in many ways. And people must often go to the <laughs> Golf and Country Club. Um, Murray is responsible for this building as well, made of beautiful sandstone. And this building was built and completed all during the Miramichi fire and after. Yes. So uh, probably because of its stone uh, construction, it survived the fire. But um, it's a very beautiful building. It's built in a, in a villa style and uh, sort of a manor house. And uh, it was it was very beautiful and, and commissioned by Judge Peters, um, who is also famous for having a daughter who married Joseph Kennard. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> but um, you know, Judge Peters was well known in the area, and this was a very beautiful home. And and Murray must have been very proud of its construction. So you know, we went on into Barton Bogue, uh, another church construction. And we went to Blackmill, where there's yes. another church that uh, Murray has built and that is still there. And, you know, various touches of Murray are still available to see around the Miramichi. Um, maybe Barb can speak yeah. to some of that. We've uh, come across information that uh, one of them, thanks to Louise Manny, uh, there was a house up in Southwest uh, that is a classic Murray again. Uh, with the touches with the windows and the, and the arches and the, uh, niches for the stoves and, and, uh, beautiful big stone fireplaces covers the whole thing. And the interior is never been touched in terms of other than a few little modern things that one must have to live in today. But, uh, when you go into it, you feel that this is a Murray house. And it's up in the southwest, and and we've also got track of another that might be down down the river past Barley Bowl, and we haven't had a look at that one yet. But uh, 
we're, we're hoping to soon, and uh, it will be interesting to see if we can pick out the details there, which we've assured there are arches and niches, <laughs> and so we, we're looking forward to, to having a look at those. And uh, some of the other points we're interested in um, are the life and times of, of William Murray, because um, following the Napoleonic Wars in that time period from, say, 1812 to 1820, Miramichi became a huge timber stop. You know, it, it was the place they sent the timber overseas from. And uh, Rankin was right in on all that business, of course. But they brought in people like William Murray to construct and build and use the timber. And so we're looking at the, um, the architecture of the time. We're looking at the ways of transport of the time. How did people get around in Miramichi in those early years? Um, what were the, what were society's mores like in that time? And how did people live? And, um, you know, just various things to flesh out the story of why a young man would bring his wife and at that time only one son with him all that way, you know, what, what drew him here and um, what kept him here. And so those are some of the interesting points we're trying to look at. Yeah. And we're also have, have a look, tracked down a few little um, more personal items, I guess, uh, a lot of the carpenters, when the wintertime came, of course, they couldn't work outdoors, so they constructed furniture. And we have in the museum, uh, the New Brunswick Museum in St. John, there's two chairs that are attributed to Murray. And so we would like to think there's probably more around. And we also had a little line on a, a chest of drawers that he believed he constructed. We can't find that one. But uh, I'm sure it's out there, and we're going to ask anybody that's interested in that if they have any little family lore that says, oh, yes, William Murray did this, or even Murray's uh, uh, son, who was also a carpenter for a while. Uh, please let us know. Mm -hmm. um, we found interesting things like his son-in-law's paint bag. Uh, his son-in-law was a painter and a decorator, married to one of his daughters. Uh, to Margaret, his, this man's name was Francis Bockler. Uh, the house that they lived in is still exists, exists, and uh, uh, we haven't seen the paint bag, but we've uh, assured that it's there. Their family member has it, so we're looking forward to that. It's little stuff like that that tells you how people lived, um, what was important to them. For instance, there's Murray and his poetry. That was obviously important to him. Uh, but we know there must be things out there, even little rumors we'd be interested in hearing about. And uh, it's they always say provenance is important, but uh, rumors are good, too. That often <laughs> sets you on the way to go <laughs> to, uh, to find it. You know, we have some examples of Murray's poetry, too, uh, which we sent to them in Scotland. A very caustic little poem, um, sort of lashing out at people that thought they were going to build an extension on his beloved St. James Church. And he, he ends up sort of reaming them out at the end saying, you know, it'll cost you 1250 pounds. So, you know, it's something about I wouldn't even think about it. And, uh, he, he could get quite angry. I think it's a good So that's, that's sort of interesting. And, um, you know, James, his son lived in Newcastle and ran a, a foundry which was pretty interesting uh, for the times. And it, it, it had a location down near the what's called the square in Newcastle. And James himself had a beautiful big home. We do have a picture of that, which is lovely to have. And James had uh, several children of his own. And so there's many descendants and people who have their lineage, you know, traced back to both James and to William 
And James was pretty well known in the area too for yeah. construction and for building and his iron foundry and, and so on. And so um, it's, it's just kind of nice to paint the picture of this family. I'd like to do more on the women of the family. You know, we, we, we know very little um, about the William's wife, but um, with 10 children, I know she must have been extremely busy. But we do have little tidbits about uh, her granddaughter and some people in the family along that line. So that's been very interesting. One of the, one of the daughters uh, married a man whose last name was Sivarite, and he became one of the first school teachers here in Miramichi. Uh, then Margaret was married to Bockler, who, who had, Bockler as a painter and a decorator actually worked for, for Peter Mitchell at one time and, and did the interior decorations in one of the boats that Peter Mitchell had built in the shipyard here. Um, we've, uh, uh, the uh, lighthouse, sorry, <laughs> the, the lighthouse in Misco is James's work. Uh, and so that still stands uh, and is, is still used today. You want to take a drive down to Misco Island, there it stands at the end of the island. <laughs> and, uh, we've, um, uh, Locally, we, 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 we're hoping that we can turn up some more information on the thing. Are there any questions that yeah. come to your mind that, yeah. you, that we didn't cover? That was a good uh, call because I was going to say I did have some questions, but you did answer them as you <laughs> were going along. Um, That's good. One of them was like, what brought Murray here? But like you're saying, you're still trying to figure that out. So I was like, I was curious too. Um, a couple questions. Sorry to interrupt if I did, Sean. Um, the Temperance Society, is that still going on today? Um, I don't think it's the, certainly not around here, the force that it was. As soon as uh, the liquor law, the liquor laws were loosened up and it, and it became part of the government, uh, no. <laughs> the Temperance Society lost its, uh, lost its, uh, impetus, I think. They, there were too many other people that felt the other way around. And, uh, so, no, I, I but there may be in some communities somewhere and more conservative communities than we have here. So, yeah. <laughs> A good point. I, know, I know that uh, home in Nelson, they always used to say that the Temperance Society actually met across the river in Derby because they couldn't get a, they couldn't find a place in Nelson that would, that would allow them to meet there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the latitudes were, yeah, were, were yeah. pretty fraught in those days. <laughs> well, that was one of the things that I noticed in the minutes. They seemed to be moving their location around within Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe it was a common thought. And I don't know if they had one in Chatham or not. <laughs> yeah. And didn't I say at one time there was a 50-odd drinking establishments between uh, where we're sitting here in, in uh, Morrison Cove and up, up uh, Curtis Point, Corn, Curtis Corridor, probably, where the mill was? There were 50-odd drinking establishments that you could, and uh, you could wet your whistle anywhere. <laughs> one connection we found, Tasha, is um, a minister came out as they did in those days they were funded through uh, various societies in Britain you know to send out the, the missionaries to this uh, wilderness area and the minister came out and was landed at the Chatham site uh, to minister to a Presbyterian congregation and he was from Dumfriesshire which is just 
very close to where William Murray was born, mm -hmm. Peoplesshire, and uh, William Murray was at that time living in Dumfrieshire. So this Reverend Thompson, it's believed, was almost kind of recruiting and, and maybe looking for fellow Scotsmen to join right. him in Miramichi. And so we're really working hard on that connection. And now we're going to approach Dumfrieshire and see if they have a historical society because mm -hmm. those people are the ones that hold the records. And so if, and there's also good ships lists that we found. Um, there's a book that, uh, with Acts and Bible, it's called. And that book is all about Scottish settlement in um, Canada and, and, but this one's specifically New Brunswick. And, uh, there's lots of good ships lists. So if we can hook into the ship, that possibly came, you know, in that year. And then sometimes there's even records online of manifests and whatever. We can maybe trace it to Reverend Thompson's encouragement, you know, that maybe William Murray might like to come and be a carpenter here. Um, so we're, we're just trying to make that link. Uh, there's a lot of uh, thought that all the Scots came because they were pushed out of the Highlands and it's not so. A lot of them came, uh, with the old wherewithal to look after themselves, they didn't rely on any government such as it was at the time. Uh, and encouragement, they just came because there was a job and somebody said, come. Uh, and they, they weren't the poor people that sometimes we associate with the Highlands. The Highlands, this is a, he was a lowlander. He was a lowlander anyways, yeah. yeah. So yeah. they were better equipped to look after themselves, I think, than the craftsmen and the people that came from the Highlands. And the final thing we had in our notes, if we have time, is that um, James or William Murray is buried in the St. James and St. John graveyard. And Barbara has an old map that we found his plot, but he's never had a gravestone erected. So that's our mission now this year yes, is yes. to get a gravestone funded through the Highland Society, Society. and uh, various other yeah. points of interest. And, uh, you know, he deserves his own stone. Um, his son, James, has quite a large one in the cemetery. <laughs> we don't know why William didn't get one, but uh, we know where he lies. So we're going to commemorate it. Maybe it was because he wrote that poem. Maybe they, <laughs> they didn't want it. <laughs> but that's, that's uh, that. In addition to keeping on with the the book, is our goal for this year. Yes, we're and, and uh, it's coming up on the uh, 200th anniversary of the Miramichi Fire, which played a significant part in Murray's life, and uh, also again. Um, in 1829 will be the 200th anniversary of St. James and St. John United Church, which was St. James Presbyterian. So um, we've got some anniversaries to look forward to here, and we're hoping that we have these things put together uh, in time to be part of the celebration. Uh, what else, was there something else we were going to do? Oh, the, the Historical Society. We, we meet regularly, and uh, we uh, have articles written in The Giver, We've uh, we put it on the radio, and we have uh, there's ways to to reach us if you if you're interested in coming, and we certainly welcome everybody, and we have great speakers. Yeah. <laughs> we have some events planned for we the did. spring, and we usually try to hold them in good weather so people can get out no problem. And uh, so I'd say from April to September or even into October, mm. we try to plan a monthly event of some kind. So. Yes. Those are advertised uh, as much as we can, and uh, and the public is welcome to them all. Yes. Cool. 
anything anything else we share that no that's it okay yeah thank you for the opportunity to do this yes it's It's, been exciting to pull it together we get enthusiastic when we start talking about William. yeah (laughs) good well thank you uh for sharing this with us uh I mean, Tasha and I know very well what it's like to come in and kind of think, well, you know, maybe we can do this little bit with something. And then we realize we've got quite a bit more information, quite a bit more information. And suddenly, you know yeah. what I mean? We're into a three-year project uh, you know, talking about linkages in the Miramichi. Um, so, so, yeah, so we certainly appreciate that. And we certainly appreciate the work that you're doing. And we wish you all the best of luck. Uh, going forward and to the historical society as well. We certainly hope to be able to sit down uh, with them. It's uh, maybe an upcoming meeting and talk about some of the work that we're doing. Um, Tasha, anything to add before we uh, we say goodbye for this week? I do not. Just to add on there, thank you so much for taking the time and coming here and sharing all the experiences and research you've come across. I've learned so much. And I hope our listeners did too. And I can't wait to learn more as you guys continue your research. Oh, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. It yeah. was fun. It is. <laughs> well, from all of us then to all of you, thank you for tuning in this week and be sure to come back next week uh, for more information on Miramichi, its history and how that history connects us all around the world. So uh, thanks very much and have a great week. <laughs>